This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Todd Willits, and I'm joined by EPFR's economist, Cameron Brandt. We'll walk you through what our teams were monitoring last week in the data EPFR tracks, as well as what we'll look for in the upcoming week. Cam, good morning. We're going to do something a little different this week. We're actually going to look back at the first half of the year and look ahead to the second half. Yep. Well, it's the time to do that. With that in mind, the first half is over. Coming into this year, we had a few narratives Uh, I know Emerging Asia leading the way out of the pandemic was one of them. Inflation was another. How did those two pan out? The inflation narrative is is definitely still with us, uh, unresolved. Um, The narrative of uh, Asia with China to the fore being the engine that pulled us out of the pandemic-induced slump has definitely uh, shown a significant change. Um, Part of that is that uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, I think most people thought um, Georgia's uh, runoff Senate election would be split 1-1 or or even 2-0 to the Republicans, and that um, the new administration under Joe Biden would have one hand tied behind their back. Um, When that didn't happen and uh, he used... Um, you know, the perceived mandate to ram through another huge stimulus package and start talking about uh, further uh, massive infrastructure bills. Uh, the spotlight <laughs> shifted dramatically to the U.S., uh, certainly for the middle part of, of, of the first half of the year. Um, and at the same time, and we can get into this a bit more later, um, China has, has sent signals uh, that it believes its economy is well enough on the way to recovery that some degree of por- policy normalization is both justified and desirable. So <laughs> we're in the uh, interesting pers- uh, position of seeing, you know, if there's any hints of a taper tantrum, it's centered on China rather than the U.S. Federal Reserve. Um, you know, and as we go into the second half of the year, uh, a couple of very clear narratives have been um, replaced with a jumble of narratives, some competing uh, and none really dominant. Um, You know, they include the resurgence of Europe uh, during the second half of the year, Uh, the COVID narrative, which, you know, it's interesting that uh, I'm only just getting to this now, um, has shifted several times in the the first half of the year uh, from vaccine triumphalism uh, to fears that the Delta variant will uh, put us in a a two steps forward, one back kind of scenario. So we'll touch on the second half in just a minute. When you think about the first half narratives, are there any that are losing momentum that we may have not expected? I know there were a few fund groups that had pretty significant Inflow streaks broken. Uh, what what do you see as losing momentum through the rest of the year? Good question. Um, so one I've touched upon, which is uh, 
China. Um, <laughs> you know, you can certainly argue uh, China is, is is being punished for uh, uh, financial responsibility, um, but nevertheless, uh, we've seen. Uh, a shift from really consistent and above average inflows to China equity funds to the the opposite, um, more often than not, large outflows. The other one that uh, certainly caught my attention, um, and it's more subtle, but I think it's real. Um, the SRIESG theme has been, you know, gold dust for pretty much any fund group that has claimed its mantle. Uh, over the past uh, 18 months. Uh, and while we're still seeing strong inflows generally uh, into uh, equity bond uh, balanced funds with uh, SRI ESG mandates, uh, the general level has dropped uh, and there have been <laughs> definitely some eddies in the flows. Uh, we uh, saw a record-setting weekly outflow from emerging markets, equity funds with those mandates uh, during the final month of the year. Um, so those are two that we are keeping a watch on. So it's interesting that we haven't, as, as you pointed out, we haven't really seen a big uh, narrative emerge around COVID for the remainder of the year, except this Delta variant. Uh, do you think there are particular markets that will either benefit from the way things are shaping up through the second half of the year or could beyond China see further impact? Uh, the answer is yes, yes, and yes. Um, one thing that I've certainly been seeing, uh, and this applies, I think, particularly to the universe of emerging markets country funds, uh, investors are, as we go into the second half, really looking at uh, at the laggards in terms of of the pandemic story, uh, the, the countries like uh, Brazil and India, uh, whose uh, economic rebound has been delayed by, you know, arguably um, extremely poor responses to the COVID pandemic, um, and. Uh, you know, in some sense, it's, uh, you, you know, if if you're having trial by fire now, uh, a significant number of investors seem to be penciling in the assumption that you'll be the the market among the markets really rebounding strongly in the second half of the year. Um, <clears throat> the Delta variant, I think, the place where we may see it play out uh, most significantly is that it does have the. Uh, Potential to short circuit uh, one of the emerging themes uh, that that had momentum coming out of the first into the second half of the year, uh, and that's Europe's recovery. Um, uh, Europe, uh, after rather embarrassing comparisons with the UK vaccination program, has really been uh, picking up steam there. But unfortunately, the, the, their sort of lag in starting has left open a window uh, that the Delta variant seems to be taking advantage of. Um, so, the momentum that the, the the European economy has definitely picked up in in recent months, uh, <clears throat> and certainly has been penciled in by investors through the rest of the year, uh, does have a, a question mark over it that seems to be sort of growing uh, by the week. So let's take a look at the second half in totality. What are the key drivers, events, 
or uh, responses that you would expect to see, whether it's uh, what the Fed is going to do, whether it's the development of uh, of the Delta variant. What are, what are you thinking are the big stories we're going to be paying attention to over the next six months? Well, I, I mean, I, th- I think, uh, and again, uh, I would love to give you a more decisive answer that, uh, as I said, the, the themes that have dominated uh, in the first half of the year will still be the major ones during the second uh, as I said, what we've not seen recently, uh, and and answering your question becomes difficult until we do see it, uh, is the emergence of uh, one of those uh, themes and narratives that we've been talking about uh, as the dominant one. Uh, obviously, uh, if the Delta variant of the COVID virus becomes the dominant theme, then the second half is not going to be uh, as rosy uh, as, as as investors have been projecting. Uh, U.S. inflation continuing to march steadily higher would be another uh, development that uh, – would definitely change uh, the sort of general pattern for the worse. Um, and, and investors are increasingly trying to hedge their bets. One of the themes that we definitely started to see towards the end of the first half uh, is a big move towards multi-asset funds, uh, which investors, rightly or wrongly, tend to uh, imbue with the possibility of jumping both ways within a single vehicle, uh, depending upon uh, how things uh, play out. Um, but on the other hand, unless the Delta variant, COVID variant, uh, re- really takes off in a way that uh, you know, starts to overwhelm health services and send the mortality rates climbing, uh, I actually think <clears throat> that the COVID narrative will begin continue to grind lower um, and will start to rotate more and more to the sort of classic economic uh, <clears throat> questions uh, that uh, you know usually <laughs> drive markets, except in these uh, unusual times. Um, you know, and that includes you know, thing, things like tax policy, the degrees of uh, fiscal and monetary stimulus, um, our uh, businesses uh, picking up their uh, capital spending. Um, one question that is still out there is when is the uh, tsunami of uh, U.S. consumer savings that everyone's been uh, watching, uh, either with nervousness or anticipation, uh, actually going to move off the sidelines. Um, people are you know, definitely spending a bit more, but it hasn't been the full-on uh, charge. There's still, by many esp- uh, credible estimations, between two and three trillion sitting in uh, U.S. savings accounts that in more normal times wouldn't be there. Uh, And while we've been seeing money move out of uh, U.S. money market funds, uh, it hasn't poured out. Uh, We did see uh, something of a pickup in the last few weeks uh, of the uh, second quarter. Um, but there's still, you know, that's still an open question as to whether uh, U.S. consumers are going to dive in with both feet 
or, or continue to uh, sort of keep a, a much larger buffer in their bank accounts. So, Kim, what are you and the team going to be looking at over the next six months in your research? A broad question. Um, we are um, doing, a, uh, I find, an increasing amount of work sort of looking at what I would call privileged asset classes and how they sort of affect uh, the returns, the momentum, and the signals that uh, the funds we track generate. Uh, by privileged asset classes, I mean things like real estate, where your know, tax policy tends to favorite because who doesn't want home ownership and apple pie, uh, municipal debt, which is tax advantaged, um, and uh, you know the SRI ESG assets, especially the green ones, uh, I think are picking up such a sort of a, a positive tailwind in terms of official stimulus and policy changes uh, that they may be des- may deserve uh, to come into that fold. Uh, and on the other side of that, coin. We're also, I think, going to be uh, spending more time looking at alternative asset classes. Uh, If this sort of level of uncertainty that we're seeing continues, uh, then I think uh, certainly things like uh, the cryptocurrency uh, universe and and meme stocks and other (laughs) sort of things that haven't usually uh, turned up in the asset mix uh, are going to enjoy, you know, significant levels of support and that um, and, and levels that mean we we need to engage with them a bit and understand them. Great, thanks, Kim. Looking forward to the second half. <laughs> yes, it will be interesting. Have a great week. All right, you too. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcast. 